Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. The CBS Evening News, after this short break. Today's CBS Evening News podcast is sponsored by Prevagen. Do you have concerns about mild memory loss related to aging? And have you thought about taking a supplement to improve your memory, but would like to hear from a pharmacist first? Now there is good news. Prevagen is the number one pharmacist-recommended memory support brand, so you can safely take care of yourself with confidence. Prevagen, healthier brain, better life. 2019 Pharmacy Times Survey. Statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good evening, everyone. Nora is off tonight. I'm Major Garrett. We begin with new federal hate crime charges and a stabbing attack that has shocked Jewish communities across the United States. It happened Saturday night, the seventh night of Hanukkah, at a rabbi's home in Monsey, New York. That's about 35 miles north of New York City. In federal court today, the accused attacker was hit with five charges of hate crimes, one for each of his alleged stabbing victims, all of whom survived. Prosecutors say the evidence found in the suspect's home and car includes handwritten anti-Semitic journals, internet searches into Hitler and local temples, as well as a blood-stained machete and a knife. The attack follows a recent wave of hate crimes against Jews, not only in New York, but across the country. Don Daler leads us off tonight. Mr. Thomas, why did you do it? The federal hate crime charges against Grafton Thomas were described in the criminal complaint. Authorities say the charges were prompted by handwritten journals found inside Thomas's home that show references to Adolf Hitler and Nazi culture on the same page as drawings of a Star of David and a swastika. The criminal complaint also says Grafton used his phone to search why did Hitler hate the Jews and German Jewish temples near me as early as November 9th. Thomas allegedly entered a rabbi's home next to a synagogue in Monty, New York, late Saturday night as dozens were celebrating the end of Shabbat and the seventh night of Hanukkah. The complaint says the 37-year-old covered his face with what appeared to be a scarf and said in part, no one is leaving, as he used a machete to stab and slash as many people as he could, injuring five people, at least one critically. Joseph Gluck was inside. All the people from the dining room started to run out. I came back and I took the coffee table that was right there, you covered the five feet in, I threw it in his face. 
Thomas was apprehended within two hours by police about 35 miles away in New York City. Officers say they detected a strong smell of bleach coming from his car and saw what appeared to be blood on Thomas's clothing and hands. This was just the most recent in a spate of anti-Semitic attacks in the New York area, including this deadly attack in Jersey City earlier this month. From my initial review of today, Thomas's attorney, sitting with his mother and family pastor, talked about the suspect's struggle with mental illness. It may be that he was non-compliant with medications, which were prescribed to deal with his severe depression and other manifestations of psychosis. Thomas's family says he was not violent and was never raised to hate anyone. In addition to the federal hate crime charges, he's also been charged with five counts of attempted murder and burglary. Major. Don Taylor with the compelling details. Thank you. To North Texas now, where a church community is devastated after a deadly shooting rampage during Sunday service. Two men were killed, including a deacon who was handing out communion. A quick on the draw volunteer security guard ended the assault with a single shot. But Aya Villarreal spoke today with that parishioner who is now being called a hero. Jack Wilson knew something was wrong the moment the gunman walked into the church. He was wearing a wig and a fake beard and a toboggan on his head. During the second half of the Sunday communion, he got up and had a brief interaction with one of the victims, Tony Wallace. Nearby was another member of the church's security team, Richard White. Richard actually, you know, got his gun out of the holster, according to the videos that I've seen. And I think he got a shot off, but it, you know, as he was being hit, but it, you know, went into the wall. And you took a pause because you were uh, I had people analyzing. At that point, the shooter, I guess, caught out of the corner of his eye because he was walking down towards the front of the auditorium. He then kind of halfway turned towards me, and that's when I took the shot because I had a full frontal face. Wilson, a firearms instructor and head of the church's volunteer security, fired one shot. I took out some evil, and that's the way I'm, again, I'm, that's the way I'm processing it, is I took out someone that was evil and had evil intent. The 43-year-old suspect, Keith Thomas Kinnunen, had been arrested multiple times since 2009, including weapons charges in Texas and New Jersey. He could have shot more people. Isabel Ariola was sitting with her family, including her seven-year-old daughter, feet away from the gunman. Thank God that our church was proactive and, and did all that and put that in place because it could have been worse. We've been able to confirm through Oklahoma court documents the gunman had a history of violence and mental health issues. In fact, his ex-wife was granted an emergency protective order back in 2012. We reach out to the lead agency in this case, the Texas DPS, to get more information on the gunman and his criminal history. But so far, we have yet to hear back. Major? Maria Villarreal with the key interviews. Thank you very much. A hero of the civil rights movement is gravely ill. Democratic Congressman John Lewis is vowing to fight on after announcing he has advanced pancreatic cancer. The news is prompting an outpouring of support for a man many consider to be a living legend. Mark Strassman has more from Atlanta. Congressman John Lewis has fought unfairness all his life. We are one family. We all live in the same house, the American house. The 79-year-old civil rights legend announced his latest battle over the weekend. Doctors discovered stage 4 pancreatic cancer. While I'm clear-eyed about the prognosis, I have a fighting chance. He's determined about everything. 
Andrew Young, uh, another civil rights icon, noticed something lately. His friend of almost 60 years had lost weight. He does need our prayers. Any doubt about his courage? <laughs> that's, what the, that's what it is. All that is courage. His whole life has been walking in the valley of the shadow of death. In 1963, Lewis was 23. We march today for job and freedom. The youngest speaker at the March on Washington. We are involved in a serious social revolution. Lewis was also the youngest leader in Dr. King's movement. On the road to equality, Southern racists beat him repeatedly, within an inch of his life in Selma, Alabama. Lewis never raised his fist, but he kept fighting. In 2011, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Pancreatic cancer will be the fight of his life, hard to detect and among the most deadly cancers. Its five-year survival rate is 9%. Young knows one certainty in Lewis's treatment. He won't miss an important vote. His life has never been important as his cause and his mission. This is the National Center for Civil and Human Rights in Atlanta, and all these mugshots are of freedom riders who helped desegregate the South in the 60s. And this mugshot is 19-year-old John Lewis. It's one of the first times that he proved John Lewis is a survivor. Major? Mark Strassman in Atlanta. Thank you so much. To Australia now, where scorching temperatures and strong winds are feeding deadly wildfires, prompting mass evacuations. Elizabeth Palmer shows us the devastation. Once the flames take hold in the bone-dry bush, they are relentless. More than 10 million acres have burned so far this season, and more than 100 fires were raging today. Rural residents in the state of Victoria were told to evacuate. It is going to be very hot. It is going to be very, very windy. People, get out now. But hours later, authorities reversed the order for some communities when fire threatened the escape routes. This has been a year like no other. Ten people killed, including a firefighter. More than a thousand homes destroyed. And then there's the wildlife lucky enough to survive. Possums, kangaroos, and this parched koala rescued by firefighters. Smoke hangs over Sydney, where tomorrow night the traditional spectacular New Year's fireworks are planned. But some furious residents say the budget should go on fighting the fires. And anyway, with climate change fueling the crisis, there's not much to celebrate. Elizabeth Palmer, CBS News, London. A deadly coast-to-coast storm that we've been following since Christmas is still barreling east tonight. It dumps snow and sleet today from the central plains, including the Dakotas and Nebraska, to the Twin Cities and all the way to Maine. Meteorologist Jeff Baradelli is tracking the dangerous weather at the CBS Broadcast Center in New York. And Jeff, it looks like many will want to ring in the new year inside. Major, it has been a miserable and in some cases dangerous day across the country with rain, snow, sleet, freezing rain. We've had just about everything, even hail, which is a rarity for the Northeast. As we zoom into the Northeast, you can see we've had an ice storm raging for 24 hours 
glazing the roadways and the trees, power outages, and we actually had quarter-size hail, which is very rare that far north this time of year. Hour-by-hour hour forecast overnight tonight. It continues to snow across the Great Lakes. We continue to see ice pile up in parts of the northeast and snow as well. Tomorrow morning, notice that snow in Detroit and Buffalo. That's going to swing to the east across upstate New York and Pennsylvania, maybe even a couple of flurries in Times Square around the time of the ball drop tomorrow night. So your New Year's Eve forecast in Times Square, 39 degrees. Wind gusts to 20 miles an hour. That means wind chills right around 29. So it's going to be chilly, but at least it's not raining like last year with a temperature of 47 degrees. Across the rest of the country, actually it's going to be finally quieting down tomorrow night, but it's going to be cold in Minneapolis. Bundle up 13 degrees, about 34 in St. Louis, and actually pretty cool in Los Angeles with a temperature right around 55. Major? Jeff, thank you so much for the details. Federal investigators in Lafayette, Louisiana, have a tough job ahead of them following a deadly plane crash this weekend. Five people were killed. Another is in critical condition. They were all headed to Atlanta to watch LSU in the Peach Bowl when their plane went down. The plane was destroyed, and officials say there is no black box. Among the victims, sports reporter Carly McCord, who is the daughter-in-law of LSU's offensive coordinator, Steve Ensminger. The U.S. military today released video of American airstrikes carried out this weekend against an Iranian-backed militia group. The U.S. hit targets in Iraq and Syria where Qatab Hezbollah operates. This group is blamed for an attack in Iraq last Friday that killed an American defense contractor and wounded four service members. At least 25 militants were killed and 50 injured when the U.S. struck back on Sunday. Tonight, as the Syrian civil war rages on, Charlie Daggett has an update on the search and rescue group known as the White Helmets. The characteristic White Helmets didn't offer much protection as they defied death to rush headfirst toward airstrikes. But they served as a beacon to the trapped and desperately wounded that the only help around was on its way, often the deciding factor between life and death. Among them was Ahmed, whose identity is obscured to protect his family. Do you have any idea how many people you have rescued over the years? A lot, he said. I don't know exactly, but more than 40. He was once a farmer. Then the war came. He trained with the White Helmets to drive ambulances and fight fires. But to the Syrian regime, he and his colleagues were seen as the enemy. And when Syrian forces began to win the war, retaking territory, Ahmed and his co-workers found themselves cornered. So you had ISIS on one side, the regime on the other, and you were toward the Golan Heights. Exactly, he said. We slept in the forest with the ground as our bed and the sky as our blanket. A coalition of countries, including Israel and the United States, came up with a plan to get them out. Last July, 422 white helmets and their families were smuggled out to neighboring countries. Now they've found asylum a world away from the war zone, places like Canada, Germany, France, and here in Britain, where adjusting to a new climate means more than just the weather. Are you able to enjoy the peace, or is it difficult to put those memories behind? It's not easy to forget eight years of shelling, destruction, and war, he told us. You see things like the cold weather or rain, but you're alive and you have a future. Everything else is easy. As he well knows, saving one life does not change the world. 
But for that one life, the world will change forever. Charlie Daggett, CBS News in Northern England. The police department in Anchorage, Alaska, sharing this video of a harrowing roadside call. A tow truck driver was working on a vehicle that broke down on an icy highway when an SUV speeding in the opposite lane drifted and then fishtailed right at him. It missed him by inches, but he felt the breeze as it all blew by. Meanwhile, three men from Istanbul, Turkey, are also feeling extremely lucky tonight. They barely escaped being flattened by a falling tree. The city was battered by strong winds of up to 50 miles an hour. The tree crushed the roof of a car, which helped to stop the tree from crushing them. U.S. Census figures out today show the slowest population growth in a century. The U.S. population grew by one-half percent, or one-and-a-half million people, and is now estimated at 328 million. The nation's slowest growth rate since World War I is attributed to declining births, increasing deaths, and the slowdown of international migration. The halls of many colleges and universities display paintings of school presidents, big money donors, famous alumni. Pretty standard, right? Well, at Princeton University, a gallery of portraits presents campus workers in a whole new light. Adriana Diaz reports tonight from her alma mater. Okay, the first two orders are up. At Princeton University, the most popular man on campus go, sir. may be Howard Sutphin, All right, have a go. who's worked in dining okay. 22 years. Can I have a two-egg omelet with everything? Yeah, everybody knows Howard. <laughs> it's true. He's awesome. I remember that. That's because he's a staple at Princeton Games. Yeah, every game or every sport I go to, it's like bumblebees. They, they come right to me, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. How many times have you come here to look at this? I don't want to say. <laughs> but now he's off the sidelines and center stage in portraits of campus workers. And I believe they should be seen in this way. By visiting art fellow Mario Moore. These people are some of the most important people on campuses that deserve to be seen and seen on the walls in the same way as these figures historically have been seen at uh, institutions. So now graduate James Madison and Princeton presidents are joined by Guy Packwood, a Princeton security guard, Garfield Brown, a groundskeeper, and Sutphin, Kanisha Long, and Valeria Sykes from dining. The majority of the people that you see in dining and facilities are African-Americans. For me as a student, these are the people that I connected with. <laughs> when they need you know, some advice or motherly figure, a nice hug, you know, they'll come and look for either me or Howard to talk them to death. I figure they're away from home and they need love. Hey, how you doing? And I tell them, you know, when you're in the dining area, just relax, eat your food. Bye, Howard. As soon the minute you leave here, jump back into that book. You're creating a legacy for people who are so often in the background. For sure, and I think it was, a, it was a really important for it to be at Princeton because of the history of Princeton. That history includes slaves who worked at the president's house for decades. And Woodrow Wilson, who blocked black student enrollment as Princeton's president and oversaw segregationist policies as U.S. president. These portraits are working to create a new legacy. And I was wondering how I can be here after I retire, but that's going to be here. <laughs> After I retire, because the school has purchased it. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Love. That's love. For all the years I gave love, I got it back in that. That's great. Love that will now live on. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Princeton, New Jersey. A new perspective on prominence. 
On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, Nora O'Donnell rides along in an F-16 as our series, Profiles in Service, takes flight with a military pioneer blazing a trail for women. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Major Garrett in Washington. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.